Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and really I'm just here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That certainly means helping you improve your photographic skills and enabling you to become a stronger business owner, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We are sponsored by PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we're back for a brand new episode and uh, actually a brand new guest. Kat Williams is here with me today. Thank you, Kat, for making time to hang out with all of us. Well, thank you for inviting me over. Well, and you were you were super gracious, and I I mentioned this to you before we started recording, but um, you were super gracious just to kind of on the fly be like, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll I'll do that. And um, it, <laughs> we were actually having a conversation for anybody who doesn't uh, doesn't know or hasn't heard me talk about the cookout conference before. We were sponsoring the the cookout conference uh, just a few weeks back here in my hometown of Chattanooga, and uh, Kat was there. We were having conversation, and she she began to share her perspective on customer service in a a way and with an angle that I had never really heard or considered before. And I was like, Hey, can we do a podcast episode? And, uh, and she was again, gracious and kind enough to be willing to come on the show and do this today. So I, I really can't thank you enough, Kat. Um, before we get started though, I do have to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, how many times do you get like kind of a second look when you say your name is Kat Williams, like people making jokes about the comedian? All the time. All the time. Yes, because my name is really Catherine. Okay. But growing up, I didn't realize that probably would have been something my parents should have copyrighted and trademarked. (laughs) (laughs) We missed out on that one. Yeah. Oh, he's an absolute trip, and and uh, I, it was just I heard your name. I'm like, no way, she's got she's got the same name. It's, it was kind of funny. I think the spelling's a little bit different, but um, nonetheless, I had to at least ask you about that. Something else though that really stood out to me, um, and I don't know that I've seen this on any other photographer's website. I've been in the industry almost 20 years, and I noticed on your website the navigation instead of an a quote about me section like like most photographers have, uh, it says meet your curator. And I thought that was a really beautiful way to kind of set the tone for what it is that you do. What was the thought process behind using those words? Well, Meet the Curator was about the idea that even though I'm a photographer, I'm really a person that I'm helping you manage memories and a I always equate, I like museums and I like, I always used to like, oh, I want to be a person. I want to be that guy, you know, that person, that guy, that lady that was the person that went to go put everything in order. Mm. And I was like, well, what are they called? And then my mom's like, it's a curator. I was like, wow. (laughs) You know, just strange things at the time fascinated me. (laughs) And that always stuck with me. And then I was like, well, kind of that's what photographers do. We curate our clients' ideas, even if it's commercial, if it's personal, even if it's birthing. We take the different images and we still put them in a certain order. If it's in an album, even if it's digitals or if we're doing prints, we still put them and we're 
guardians over those things. And we put them in a certain order for people to be able to view them and enjoy them. So that's how I came up with the idea to call myself a curator. Well, I, I really, in, I'm, I'm super impressed, first of all, that you did something different. And we talk a lot about this on the podcast. It's it, it's so easy in our industry. There are so many thousands of other photographers, uh, and in some cases, particular photographers that we just love to follow. It's easy as we see their content and their website and imagery, editing style, et cetera, over and over and over and over again to just kind of copy. And some, some photographers just say, well, I took inspiration from... Um, I, I could make some arguments about that notion, but nonetheless, the, the idea that you would do something different, that you would step outside the norm and outside the, the little tiny box of a photography industry that we live in uh, at times and, and do something different there, use words that not only captured at least my attention just because they were something different, but they also, as I said earlier, set a, a certain tone, which is we're, we're dealing with, we're not just dealing with pictures, uh, as many of us might refer to them as we're dealing with imagery here. We're dealing with artwork. Um, and it sets a different different tone, I think, for me anyway, and I, and I would hope so for your potential clients, that uh, I'd be really fascinated to see how you kind of follow through on. When you talk about managing their images or managing their memories more specifically, and by the way, I was, I was just looking quickly as you were talking that the history of this word even has some spiritual connotation and, and ties to the church. Um, but it, So it's kind of interesting how strong a word this this actually is. But what does it look like when you, for example, when you're delivering images to a client, do you approach that process in a different way with this notion of a curator in mind? Now I'm in the process of changing. It used to be, I would call the person or my client, my client creative. Actually, we don't, I don't refer to my clients as just clients. They're client creatives. So they're part of the creative process. So it's kind of like I'm the curator of the museum, okay. but they're the artists, even though I'm helping. I'm the person that's snapping the image and creating imagery is still their idea. Most of the time I try to make it sure it's their idea. So when it's time to deliver initially, it's, hey, are you ready? I kind of like psych them up as I look at it from the perspective of calling, texting, I'm kind of go overboard with it to hype them up for the delivery with the sneak peeks. And I look at it as in a football team, get ready to come out the hole to get ready for the game. Yep, yep. That's the same mindset I have about the delivery process, which is calling, texting. Hey, did you get it? I want you to check out the first three images. Let me know what you think and keep following up with them. When it's uh, digital, especially right now, because a lot of the in-person, I'm learning going into in-person sales. So everything was always digital. Yeah. And we were always that hyping of, let talk me through it. What, do, what are you feeling? What are your emotions as you're looking back over the images? So I kind of like talk them through, be it face-to-face or sometimes it was face-to-face or if it was through a... Uh, text, email, however, but I wanted to make sure it was hands on. So the same way you excite a client to want them to work with you, you also get, deliver that same excitement when you're getting ready to deliver the product Yes, or that final imagery. So that way they're still emotionally invested and they didn't lose that excitement from the actual photos, photo experience or photo session. 
I, I really love this this topic of energy. We could kind of spend we could spend really endless amounts of time talking about the significance of energy. My, my girlfriend actually gives me a hard time when I use the word energy because you know a lot of times the the um, I guess the world at large has used that word in a way that to some people feels a little frou frou, like it's kind of out there that you know I'm going to bring a certain energy and want to communicate a certain level of energy, but. Um, she, she makes an interesting point and this is all kind of tied together in the end. There's a psychology involved. Somebody's psychology is triggered uh, by the environment that we create, the atmosphere that we create. And so if we're bringing excitement to a conversation, and I certainly try to do that here in the podcast, uh, and in conversations in person with others, um, if, if we bring excitement to the client interaction or the client artist interaction, as you said, there's a certain impact that I think that emotional experience makes that could be lasting and affect that that client in a way that a lot of photographers may not be, you know, under the guise of being introverts or otherwise. True. Very much so. Well, I, I, I'd like to focus on that. And then the other thing you mentioned, and, and I, you know, seriously, already, I'm, I'm like, I, I like the way that you think, and I'm liking even more the way that you think. You're talking about the client is the artist. We could probably spend a whole separate episode on just that topic because, again, I don't think I've ever heard a photographer communicate that idea before. So maybe in the future, if you're game, um, we could come back to that topic for another episode because I think that's a really fascinating perspective. I'll leave that alone for now because we've got a big one to get to. But let me ask you first, your brand um, and your business ultimately, what market are you based in? I'm based in Houston, Texas. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So Houston, Texas. Now I haven't, I've been through or spent a little bit of time, I think in Houston in the past, but have you been there all your life? Is this, is this somewhere that you've been for oh. just a few years? What, what's, what's the experience? Oh, no. I am born and raised Houston, Texas, all the way around. Awesome. <laughs> I'm really Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, big, I, I believe in big and better, big hair, big everything. Yeah. You know, everything in Texas is big. I'm that <laughs> kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I, I'm curious though, in that particular marketplace, um, I mean, I, I'm sure there are just like so many other cities in the country, just gobs and gobs of photographers. What is your brand position? What is the brand message that enables you to stand out from the rest of the photographers in your area? For us, it's the only limit is our client's imagination. Hmm. So if they dream it up, I try to deliver it. And if I can, I get help. But the only limit is that of our client's imagination. So whatever they bring us, I say, hey, let's do it. That's how the client creative becomes the artist. Yeah, see, I'm I'm taking notes here as you're talking, and and I'm I'm going to note that client creative phrase again because, in all seriousness, I I really would love to come back to that in a different episode. It's a really interesting perspective. Um, I'm on the homepage of your site, and for anybody who's listening in, you can actually go to ladiiva creations dot com. By the way, wh- where did you get the name for your business? My name at the business came from a conversation with a friend. Okay, that. They always said I'm a Southern diva. Like I'm a nerdy. <laughs> I'm a I'm a nerdy diva. Like I'm a, I'm extremely nerdy. Okay. So I will find a way to diva diva out anything. All right. But still keep it nerdy. She's like, oh, well, let's just spell it different. And she spelled it out for me one day. Yeah. During the conversation, she's like, write it down. And this was, oh wow, almost 
let's see, my son is 16. So this was almost 18. I've had the name for almost 18 years. I just never knew what to do with it wow. until about 10 years ago. Okay. So I've, I've always had a name. <laughs> it was given to me, basically. That's brilliant. Okay, so but it's Ladiva Creations. Is Am I pronouncing that correctly? That, it is. It's Ladiva Creations, and instead of uh, this K for creations, because everybody misspells my name. Gotcha. My name is spelled with a C. Yeah. So I said I will misspell creations purposely. <laughs> All right. So everybody listening in, it's L-A-D-I-I-V-A-K-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S. And uh, by the way, it's the right. same thing on Instagram as well. And we'll link to both of these in the show notes at bookapodcast.com. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm on your site here and there are certain kind of, I wouldn't necessarily call them position statements, but certainly statements. Uh, the joy of creating art, the experience is worth every moment spent. Another one is art, your view of life, capturing those rare and important moments in life. And then the other one is art never stops, creating arts, uh, creating art everywhere. Um, I, I'm curious how these statements tie into what I think is, again, such a unique and powerful concept. The only limit is our client's imagination. How do those tie in? Because I want everyone to realize that photography, imagery is art. So what you would consider, oh, it's just a family picture. No, it's art because you too, people like to purchase large paintings. I'm, I'm one of those pers- individuals. I like paintings and things of that nature. But I also know that those timeless images are all, we go back and we look at them in, again in museums and those paintings. And then you see actual photos. And they capture you and you imagine, it's like, oh, what was that time like? And that's a different genre of art that a lot of people forget about. That Mm. photography is truly its own art. And Mm. we should give it that same passion and love in every photo experience that we have with our client creatives. And I tell them, you're making art. This is not just, oh, we're doing senior portraits or this is a boudoir. No, honey, you're making art. This is timeless. This is not something that you throw away years later. I don't know anyone that throws away a picture just because they want to throw away a picture. You treasure pictures and we treasure them because they are either sentimental because of something that occurred. We love the beauty of the the imagery at the time and that's why it is art and we should treat it as such Hmm. wow all right well i'll leave that just as it is i mean it's beautifully communicated um and again for everybody who's listening in make sure you go check out kat's website and instagram both and we'll put those in the show notes bookapodcast.com next question though for you and i'm curious i know that we're going to kind of get to this uh, in, in more detail in a little bit, but if you were to sum up one big idea that's enabled you to provide a great experience for your customers, what would that one big idea be? Personalization hmm. makes it everything. How do you, so how do you scale? First of all, I love the brevity of your answer. Um, and for, to break the fourth wall here a little bit for those listening in, when I send the outline of questions to our guests ahead of time, um, these, what is normally, or what are normally the first two questions about brand position and then customer experience, they say 10 second answer right next to them. Most of the time that doesn't happen. <laughs> so major props to, to Cap for, um, for brevity here. But you know, the thing about brevity that I think is fascinating, and it's something that I'm working on for myself as well, is that I think in many cases, 
cases, if not most cases, brevity represents clarity. Now, people say, oh, it's hard to communicate this thing or it's hard to communicate that thing. And if we're talking about you know, chemistry, for example, yeah, I understand that's going to be a bit more complex. But when we're talking about an idea, if we're clear about what it is um, that we are discussing, then we should be able to communicate it with brevity, communicate that idea with brevity. So just a little side note there, again, props to Kat uh, for this, but how do you scale personalization? Because if, if I put everything into serving each and every one of my clients, and, and this I'm asking this a bit rhetorically, but it feels like maybe I would get burnt out if I'm trying to personalize the experience for everybody versus thinking, okay, I need to, for example, photograph 30 weddings this year. I need to photograph 60 portrait sessions this year in order to make the income that I want to. Uh, and I need to figure out systems that allow me to work efficiently. How do I simultaneously add personalization to that? Well, with the personalization process is asking, some people would say that this is over the top or that's too much, but asking detailed questions, finding out little pertinent things that would either impress them or just what, how does that client think? So by asking, sending out survey questions Hmm. or when you're having that intake process and you're speaking with your client and you ask certain questions, you'll find out who's, which clients are hands-on, which clients are hands-off, that person that falls in the middle. You may even have, for those that shoot weddings, they may have that bride that's just like, hey, you have free reign. You can do what you want to do. And then you have that one bride that she wants complete control sure. or branding. Answer, asking those questions allows you to tailor you already set forms, so you already have your systems in place. And all you would do is take those small nit- little things yep. and you put them in place. Mm. And what may be for client creative A versus client creative B, if they were to meet each other and have this conversation and they talk about their experience, their experiences will actually sound totally different, but there actually was they actually were the same. It's just that you did one or two small things that made it different. That makes them think that they, each of them had their own personalized experience when you already have a system in place. You just threw, oh, she likes cupcakes. So we're going to integrate that in her shoot yep. or we'll have the makeup artist talk about cupcakes, yep. integrate cupcakes. And then the other person, she's hands off and you're more like, okay, well, I have already th- everything laid out. I need you to show up here, 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 and here. And it's just like, oh, they just took control, and it was just wonderful. And you didn't really do anything different. Hmm. You just catered to what makes them happy. Wow. Okay. So, I, and it's so funny. I have to kind of laugh at myself here because I have a tendency, being a bit of a minimalist, um, to, to oversimplify at times. And my question kind of presuppose that these two ideas can't coexist, that, that we can have organization and structure and systems in place simultaneously within that structure and organization and efficiency. We can also have customization. And you proved that point brilliantly, Kat. And I think this is a really great reminder for all of our listeners. Um, to the point of efficiency, let me keep going with these questions. I, I'd, I'd like to get into the topic of free time and efficient workflow quite a bit here on the podcast because... You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, if, if we as business owners don't also have the freedom to, to live life, to do something outside of sitting at a computer and editing images or emailing clients, 
uh, I don't really understand the point of being a business owner. So yes, it gives us a lot of power in the sense that we can create the income for ourselves that we want to. But ultimately, I think so much of a great life lived is about time and having the freedom to do the things that we want to beyond work. So to that point, I'm curious what it means for you to manage time more efficiently, because you're not just a photographer, you're also working in the insurance world. How do you are there big ideas or at least one or two big ideas that have enabled you to manage your time more efficiently? So you still have a life at the end of the day. I had to learn, uh, even though we hear it so often, but is, and it's one of those phrases that have been overused work life balance. <laughs> yeah. So mine was work, work life balance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I had to learn as a parent for kids that were playing sports and, I had a daughter in college when I initially started that I had to set time blocks. It's like, okay, I'm only going to do this, this, and this, and I still want to be able to enjoy life. So I had to find that happy medium. Does it happen immediately? No. Just like with learning new techniques with using your camera or you have a new lens or new lighting setup, trial and error. And I had to find out that conveniency of even is changing my work schedule at my nine to five. I literally have the ideal work schedule now that works within my personal business. I go, I clock, I work Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. I start at 6 a.m. and I get off at 2.30 p.m. And that's Central Standard Time. Wow. (laughs) So I know a lot of people are like, oh my goodness, it's too early in the morning. For me, I'm (laughs) I'm an early morning person. Yeah. So that's perfect. I even yeah. asked, it's like, is there any way I can start at five o'clock in the morning? Wow. You don't mind? But it allows me the ability. So when I get off on Fridays, if I need to go out of town for to meet a client for their client experience, mm-hmm. then I'm I have enough time to where I can get to an airport. I can take a decent flight. I'm not taking red eyes. And I still have enough time to get to where I need to be and relax. Uh, Also, whatever time that I have for when I put in for vacation or paid time off at my job is my paid time off from my business. I have to allocate specific time strictly for self. If it's not just self-help, self I would just say just if I just want to go out to the park or I want to go to or kickball, which is a dog kickball league for our high schools here, whatever. That sounds I like super that. fun, actually. <laughs> that's, and that's how I actually got into photography through taking pictures of kickball. No way. OK. And that's what it is. It's, I because I had to learn everything has to go in a container It's, it's similar to saying. Even though salt and sugar look the same, mm. you can't put them in the same container. Yeah. So even though work looks the same, so if I, on a normal day, I could say I'm going to dedicate Monday, Wednesday, and Friday if I'm not going out of town. Those are my days that I work for Ladiva Creations. I have to set allocated times. If you set those allocated times, it won't be a problem because mm. I'm true to it. I'm going to take a nap from 3.30 to 4.45 every day. <laughs> oh, I love it. Then, then I work, but I still allocate. You have to set allocation time and 
if your if your client creatives are okay, a lot of them, a lot of my client creatives, they prefer the late hour office hours. So they don't really want to talk to me till six o'clock at night. Hmm. <laughs> so it, it works out perfect. Yeah. You just have to learn your balance. Don't allow somebody else to dictate your balance for you. You say what balance works for your life, your family, and your business. When you when you talk about, I mean, having a full-time job and then the photography business and trying to manage all of this, I mean, there, there are so many moving parts in, in running a photography business. Is there Are there elements of that business that you have at least attempted to delegate or, or outsource to other companies or individuals or assistants? Has that been an experience of yours? Yes. That was my initial goal for 2020. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I heard so much about, you should, it, you should. Delegate, delegate, delegate. Because at first it was delegate to my, well, he turned, my my middle son, he turned 20, but he's not really into, interested in photography anymore. <laughs> okay. So my in-house delegation went off to college. So that was, <laughs> so it was back to me doing it myself. And I learned from, to, I'm not good at IPS. I'm, I, I'm just horrible. I'm that person that signs up for all the classes and paying for it and still confused. I'm that lady. I am. So I decided to actually outsource my IPS to one of my dear close friends. They are there. He does my IPS for me. Really? And what's funny, he does not know anything about photography at all. Other than what I tell him. I had to literally take him on photo shoots with me. I say, this is what you do. This is what a client experience is like. Okay. This is my workflow. He is a service manager for a major automotive chain where automotive repair chain. Okay. He can, he can sell you anything. As I told him, you can sell ice to Eskimo. I've seen him do it. And I was like, well, why can't do that? I don't understand. He said, I'm going to do it for you. I was like, what do you mean? He says, I'm going to take over your sales. And I was like, wow. I say, like, I never heard of outsourcing IPS, but okay, let's try it. <laughs> so far as it's, we set him up on Zoom. I, um, he's not tech savvy. <laughs> so I had to teach him all that, but he's great at it. It's like second nature to him, the albums, the the prints and everything. Wow. I'm enjoying every moment of it. <laughs> I, well, yet another first, I think, for the podcast. I don't I don't know that I've heard. I mean, I guess with the exception of maybe the occasional studio that we've had in the podcast over the years that, you know, that has somebody uh, like an in-house admin assistant or, or something comparable. Um, I, I've never heard of the idea of delegating this to somebody from outside the business. I think it's, it's fascinating and brilliant, ultimately, especially if you've got such a good candidate for it. But simultaneously, I'm also kind of curious because I know that some photographers are apprehensive about the idea of IPS for whatever the reasons, whether, you know, the thing that you hear so much uh, in the photography industry is I'm an introvert. So, so people are shy, they're, they're apprehensive meeting with somebody that they don't know. Um, there may be other reasons as well. You're, I mean, you're super organized. It seems certainly one of the best teachers that we've had the podcast to date. I I'm curious as to what your apprehension is when it comes to IPS specifically. I'm soft-hearted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that person like, oh, really? Like, I'm I'm that person that, oh, if a person says, well, 
maybe if you would. I'm like, okay. I'm just really soft hearted because, again, I look at the imagery in those. I want you to take the art home. Got I just it. want the art in your home. I don't care. Ma'am, give me $5 and you can have it. <laughs> that so, makes sense. Okay. So you need somebody that can play a bit of hardball and be a better salesperson. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, that's that's not that's not my lane. That's not my arena. That's not my sport. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, but that, you know, I guess that's kind of one of the most important elements of this conversation about delegation is is knowing strengths, knowing weaknesses, delegating accordingly. So I, I think that's a wonderful reminder for all of our listeners. And, and yet again, just some really great advice coming through. So I want to jump to a different question, totally different type of question here, and that has to do with education, inspiration, what's one of the most impactful business, self-help books, maybe even podcasts that you've read or listened to in the last few years? What comes to mind? I purchased the uh, book in 2019, uh, T.D. Jake's Soar, because I was at a point where I actually wanted to walk away from photography. I want to hmm. like, nah, my kids can have it here. You can go do whatever you want with mommy's camera because I actually couldn't find it for three months. That's how I was so frustrated with self. And I was reading the book and, and seeing that maybe I went about the process at the time, trying to get, finding what was the correct way to be organized, what's the correct way to be a business owner, understanding the concept of roller coaster business about getting it set up. Everything is not going to be a high experience yeah. that there are lows, how to bounce back, how to learn and finding now <laughs> I'm glad I found this podcast podcast to listen to. Cause I wasn't a podcast listener up until earlier, um, late last year, earlier this year Okay, and finding those resources that everything is not always. Okay. You can just get on Google learning how to step out of your comfort zones of fear because I did operate my business out of fear, Hmm. out of scarcity. And that was something that was hindering myself and my business because I should have been a way more successful than where I was at that point when I wanted to just sell the camera and the equipment and just walk away from it. Hmm. What is that that idea of I, this is something that has been a bit in the back of my mind in the last, I don't know, maybe three or four months or so that that idea of love versus fear. And it sounds almost like one of those, you know, hyped up kind of cliche, uh, inspirational talk things that you might see on Instagram or otherwise. But I, I really think that there's some substance to it. I know that personally, my well, my business and, and actually my personal life in, in various ways have suffered or has suffered over the years because of fear. And, you know, whether it was I didn't take that leap and start the business or run with this idea. In fact, I'm actually right now working on an idea that I uh, have been thinking about for at least five years, maybe six years at this point, and we're finally kind of bringing it to fruition, myself and, and ultimately my partners. And I'm really excited about it. But, you know, to think that that's been sitting there for five years for various reasons, but certainly, you know, fear, apprehension can play a role there. This has affected my personal life uh, in various ways as well. What does it look like for you on a like very practical level to overcome a fear? Maybe you can be more specific too, as it relates to your business. Overcoming the fear, because um, I'm still walking those steps of overcoming, but I've come up 
I am steady in progress of oh, about to leap over. But that fear of when you look at things and you're, we all have this mindset, there has to be ideal conditions. Hmm. And then you look at, we've all seen or have heard or read where they say you should have A, B, and C in place before you do one, two, and three. Yeah. So we then take that, which a lot of times you will hear fear, false evidence appearing real. Hmm. And we are looking for to make sure A, B, and C lines up. But for some reason, A and B are lining up, but then all of a sudden C drops out of sight. So now we're, should I do it? Should I not? Should I leap? Should I, or I won't? Because we think everything should be lined up evenly when taking, to move past fear, you have to jump. If you jump, there is a point where there's nothing under your feet. Yeah. Even if you're just simply jumping in your living room, I'm not asking you to jump a cliff. I'm not asking <laughs> you. Yeah. Just ju- if you jump straight up, just go up. When you jump up at some point, maybe for two or three seconds, depending on, you know, if you do CrossFit, you may stay up a little, high, a little height. <laughs> yeah. You have airtime and that airtime is the fear. That's our fear is our airtime. It's like, uh oh, am I going to have solid ground when I land? And that's what it was for me, because even with my current job that I have, I've been asked, I'm kind of like in your situation. I have been asked why did not I just go and become a full time photographer for years mm. and I did my excuse because that's what it was. My excuse that I held on to forever was, oh, well, I have kids and I have one daughter. I was like, my daughter's about to come out of college and then I still have my boys. And, you know, I just need to make sure I have something steady, not trusting in the fact that, yes, you have the talent, you have the know how, and all you need to do is follow through and I wouldn't follow through. Mm. So now it's kind of like, Hey, I've given myself 24 months. You either do it, you either jump or guess what is the rug going to get snatched from under you either way it go. So I have 24 months to get it done. Oh, good for you. I like that you set that, that kind of limit or not limitation, but a, um, a, a goal line, if you will, something to actually reach toward You didn't make it so quick that it's overwhelming, but you've given yourself a deadline. And I, I think it's important for us to to do that kind of thing, to, to push us a little bit. And when you talk about taking that leap, I, I had the opportunity, I've actually been twice now, to go skydiving. Have you ever gone skydiving? No, I'm, wa- I'm watching people go online. <laughs> well, the reason I bring it up um, is because it, it very much reminds me of what you're talking about. Uh, I, I went skydiving largely as a means of kind of proactively trying to fight my fear of heights. And... And so I, I, the first time that I went, you know, I'm, I'm expecting, we were at about 15,000 feet when, when that door opened up and some others started to jump ahead of me. And, you know, by the time I get to that door and, and I'm looking outside that door and 15,000 feet below, naturally, I'm quite apprehensive and I'm bracing myself because I'm, I'm freaked out about that initial 
experience of that, you know, the dropping feeling like you might get on a roller coaster. So I'm, mm. I'm really, really tight, super uptight. And, and the instructor, the, the person who's actually going to be doing the jump and, and flying the parachute um, is strapped on to me. And, and he says, okay, we're going to, when we, we're going to actually roll, you're going to kind of rock back and forth like two or three times. And then we're just going to roll out. And, and so we did just that and we rolled out and, and I'm bracing myself for what, you know, I would expect to be this terrible, terrible experience of falling out of the plane and that dropping feeling. And it didn't happen. And not only did it not happen, but now I'm, now I'm you know, essentially floating or more specifically falling, but there isn't this, this sense of falling. So I'm getting to what feels like just float in the air. It's really, really loud. The air is going past very, very quickly. And you can't, I mean, it's so loud that you really can't talk. And then that parachute comes out and it goes dead silent. And, and then we land on the ground and you get the sensation that you can literally take over the world. And, and I think it's a beautiful picture of the very thing that you're talking about, which is on the other side of stepping out, of stepping beyond that fear, that apprehension, first of all, is an experience that not, isn't nearly as complicated or as difficult as you might think, or as painful, I should say, as, as you might think. It's certainly, there are going to be complications along the way, starting a business, running a business. But at the end of the day, on the other side of taking that leap is an experience which you can only imagine, uh, this, fe- this feeling of empowerment and of excitement and passion. And all you had to do was just take that leap. And uh, so I, I think this, this lesson that you're sharing with our listeners is super powerful. We all have to remember, even if it feels like a small step or if, there's, if it's something big, like starting a new business, on the other side of that leap is a really wonderful opportunity to kind of take life to the next level if you're just willing to take that step. The other thing I thought about, Kat, too, you have kids. Um, my son actually just went to, to college. He's a freshman at UTK, University of Tennessee at Knoxville. And, uh, and then my daughter's a sophomore in high school. And one of the things that I, I've kind of almost always laughed at when people talk about, you know, getting everything in order to have kids being just so prepared, uh, I kind of laugh because my, my son was born when I was 22 and I was making probably combined income with my partner at the time of maybe $30,000 a year, uh, you know, living in a duplex and, and just kind of trying to, to make ends meet. Um, and my son is born. I had no, like, I didn't have any kind of perspective on life. I didn't have any life experience. And suddenly now it's my job to take care of this, this little boy, this notion that we're going to have to be just so prepared in order to do something as big as have a kid. It's certainly a massive responsibility, but we we can kind of get in our own way sometimes overcomplicating and, and really just that overcomplicating things in our minds. What are your, what are your thoughts about just that idea? It's very true because what you're saying sounds exactly how I felt about my situation with raising kids and everything is always, we make things so complicated Yeah. because, and then we turn it into what I saw online yesterday. It was so profound. And I, I put on there, I'm guilty. I could only say I'm guilty, which is I turn our fear into procrastination. Yes, yes. So now it's like, oh, I'll just wait. Oh, I'll just wait. And it's like, no, you have to. There's no ideal situation right. and we have to accept it. Yes. Is there proper preparation? Yes. But there is no such thing as you're going to have everything in order. Everything is going to be in line. It's like saying that you put everything together for a vacation. 
And then when you get there, all of a sudden, unexpected rain clouds Mm. and you didn't bring an umbrella. You didn't bring rain boots. Sure. But will that stop you from enjoying your vacation and making the moment of it? Every enjoying every moment of it? No. No. That's the same thing as a business owner or if there's taking your business to another level, integrating a new process in your business or expanding to something different or yep. moving into a new genre. Do it. Just make sure you did your research. And then after that, make that leap again. You still have two or three seconds under your feet. But guess what? When you do land and as you said. You can then, when you get over that, once that rush hits you and you realize, hey, this was worth it. Yeah. Not only did I, I'm glad I took this leap, I'm about to take over the entire world, the universe, the galaxy, whoever else comes my direction. Guess what? I got this. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, and to that point, um, we'll make sure to link to the book that you mentioned earlier, Soar by T.D. Jakes. We'll put that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. For anybody listening in, if you're curious... Haley's put together a really cool resource. If you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H, Bookshelf, I think we actually have Boca Bookshelf and Boca Book Club, uh, bo- all of these domains, .com. You can actually see a collection of the most popular books that have been recommended in the you know 450 episodes or so that we've done here at the show. Um, so make sure that for those of you listening in, if you're looking for a book, something to read, something that you want inspiration, you're looking for inspiration or education, a combination of both. Um, go take advantage of that, but we'll link to soar in the show notes of bocapodcast.com as well. All right. So I want to jump to what is really our, our primary focus and topic for today, which is kind of funny to say, because honestly, Kat, we've probably hit on like at least three or four different topics that we could make episodes out of. You're such a wonderful teacher, but uh, I, I'm, I want to get into customer service as it relates specifically to your perspective and your experience working in the insurance industry. Uh, Give a little perspective to all of our listeners. How long have you actually been involved in the insurance industry so far? Well, as of tomorrow, I will have been with my, in healthcare insurance, nine years, which is strange. My higher date is Halloween. No way. Okay. (laughs) Well, congratulations. Yes. Thank you so much. I shouldn't have known. I was like, wait, I'm getting hired on Halloween. (laughs) All right. So had you done, I mean, being in in healthcare insurance, uh, I mean, and that can be a really tough industry to be and be involved in. Um, And especially when it comes to customer service, I can only imagine the kind of conversations that you've had. But did you have experience in customer service specifically prior to being in insurance? Actually, yes. I have had from college all the way to now, I have had a well-rounded experience with customer service. Okay. We'll all be within a call center. So, you know, thank you for calling press one. I was that person on the other end okay. that you would talk to. Yeah, yeah. So I worked for the Broadway shows. That's what I uh, did initially while in college. Really? Then I moved. In- yes. So I got to see a lot of Broadway shows whenever they came to Houston. They would give the employees tickets to go see. What's your favorite? cats <laughs> is it really that is so funny I, you know i grew up in the in the arts world i'm a musician myself I, I grew up playing classical music i never really got into the broadway scene and my girlfriend and myself visited manhattan a number of years back and we went and saw cats and i don't tell anybody but i i, I think i actually started to fall asleep in it which is kind of weird because no. 
I know, and and that's absolutely no hit on the on the play. Maybe we saw a bad version of it or something, but it, that's the craziest mm-hmm. thing because so many people talk about Cats and and how great a show it is. Maybe we just didn't see a good rendition of it. I can't truly say. I know this <laughs> part, of, part of the show today renditions. Something should not be touched. They had a, some shows have good runs, and they need to leave them alone. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to leave that alone because I don't want to get any angry email. <laughs> no, I, I, you're speaking loud and clear. Yeah, no, I, I think um, that's a really interesting point. Okay, so Cats and, and Broadway. So this is a customer service field that you were involved in for how long? I did that for about maybe two years, maybe. Yeah, about two, two and a half years. Then I ended up working for a cable company for a little while. And then I went to banking majority other than healthcare. I stayed in banking the longest. Okay. I went from servicing when right when most of the banks were finally going to the dot com online banking where you didn't need the CD ROM and yeah. you could only use QuickBooks. I used to support I used to do tech support for all of that. Ah, okay. So I've done tech support and then I was a fraud analysts for a while and and still standard customer service of i'm missing checks where's my debit card i think somebody broke them i've done all of that so i've had and then came into the healthcare industry and i started off with the uh, customer service for claims and now moved into back office processing but i've had a well-rounded oh i'm sorry i forgot i worked at the mobile phone company too (laughs) I think you've had like all the most difficult customer service experience jobs. That I, I mean, I can imagine you're talking about mobile phone cable and then trying to walk people who don't know tech through, you know, a transition and tech, a significant transition in technology and banking. I mean, these are really challenging customer service jobs. It, it, it has been a unique experience. <laughs> yeah. And explaining things. I remember when... I used to have to ask people and I purposely would work on Christmas okay. because that was in the banking industry. That was the the most hilarious day of the year. Hmm. Most people don't want to work on Christmas. But again, as you tell, I always have an early morning shift. So it was fun to me. And people didn't know the difference between a PC and a Mac. Oh, wow. So at the time, you remember when Macs used to come in colors? Oh, yeah, yeah. Green, yeah. red. That's how I would ask people. It's like, well, ma'am, do you have a lap? I was like, do you have a Windows computer? <laughs> or do you have a Mac? And then they were like, I don't know. I said, what color is your computer? Green? It's a Mac. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But, you know, I, I've, I've complimented you already multiple times now since we started on, on just how wonderful a teacher you are. But that makes sense considering uh, all the experience that you have breaking information down for, I mean, thousands of people, I'm sure at this point, over a wide variety of topics. You're just, you're so great at it, but I I can imagine at least part of that comes from this experience that you've had in customer service. Yes. Customer service for me on the other end, as many times you would watch Saturday Night Live and other little shows that make fun of the one side of the customer service. Sure. Nobody really just recently people started making fun of what we experience on our side. But 
it taught me a lot. And I, at the time, I didn't know it would be growing me to become a business owner, to understand mm. what is going to be needed yeah. from the customer service standpoint. Not really just as a business owner, but just understanding what client creators would need or expect or how to cater to them in a different way coming into now over 20 plus some odd years of being in a call center waiting for the boop. Thank you for calling. <laughs> oh, I, your voice there is just perfect too. I, that's, that's brilliant. Okay. But I, I'm thinking about the, the amount of patience that you must have developed over time, the amount of empathy, the, the willingness on your part, despite whatever frustration that you might have with the person that you're talking to. And, and I mean, again, I can only imagine being all those different industries, some of the conversations you must have had, but I bet it in some ways it feels easy having a conversation with one of your, your client creatives now. Yes. But <laughs> it, it still takes some time because sometimes I forget. Yeah. And I have to ring myself back in. But generally, it's easy for me because a lot of people say, oh, because I look at a lot of uh, chats and people fuss a lot about, oh, I don't understand how to deal with this. And I'm like, actually, that your client, your client creative is really not that difficult. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, if you let them vent, even if they're venting as a text, if it's an email or if it's in person. Yeah. Some of the times it's really nothing to do with you. It's because they're a previous experience that they've had with a previous photographer yeah. or a different vendor. And you just so happen to be the last person in line by time they finally just, I just had enough. Oh, right. I just had enough. Right. And you just, you're the recipient. And that's what I tell people a lot of times. Customer service, you have to think about is, it's not personal. A lot of times it's not. And they, you just happen to be the person that was holding the basket that they wanted to dump it all in that day. Hmm. Oh, and again, there's another topic that we could spend a lot of time on. I think it's highly relevant to our, our work as photography business owners. It's something that I have to remind myself of too, and not just in the business world, but in personal relationships, not to personalize things. Because I think a lot of times uh, and, and first of all, I can empathize all day with certainly I've experienced myself that, you know, that interaction that you have with somebody where they're just a total jerk and that's being nice. Um, mm-hmm. And and naturally, <laughs> human response is to, you know, to, to get frustrated and to kind of lash back. But uh, the ability to be able to set our, our egos aside and our insecurities aside and be self-aware enough to, to say, as you just did, this is not about me. This is this is all about their experience. The way they're engaging with me has to do with their personal experience, and and it's not a personal thing. It's it just takes patience and self awareness to be able to to kind of create that differentiation. Again, another really wonderful reminder, Cat. But I, I want to get to these two words that you mentioned to me when we were having conversation at the cookout: downstream and upstream. These are not words that I hear thrown around in the photography industry when it comes to really anything, but certainly customer service. Can you explain what each of those words mean as it relates to customer service? Okay. So downstream, upstream, what we're looking at basically is three. There are three players. Your upstream as a photographer would be your 
who you consider your vendors. Okay. So that may be who are you purchasing from? Is it for your equipment? Is it for say client creative gifts that you're going to give them later? Yep. Is it your your albums, your prints? Whoever you whoever's your vendor is your upstream. So that means I'm in the middle and we're looking at it from a basic stream river type of situation. I'm in the middle. Okay. So I'm kind of like the gatekeeper downstream is my client creative or my client. So they're going to receive everything that came through me as a gatekeeper. So they're downstream. Everything is going to flow down to your client. So when we think of upstream, downstream and customer service, how I interact with my upstream or my vendors or how my, my interactions with my vendors what products I receive, what products I use, my downstream client is the benefactor of it. So what does, what does that album look like? What did that wall print look like? What did that gift, thank you for booking me, look like? What, whatever they receive. So we have to establish the mindset of, I need to have just as much of a connection with my upstream, my vendors, as I do with my downstream. So each time that a vendor may be offering test trials, sign up. This gives you an opportunity to test out new products. And you may have one of those clients that they're new to you or they may be a repeat client creative and you want to say, hey, I want to gift you with something hmm. and you give that to them. You get their feedback yeah. because your upstream, your vendor is going to ask you about it. And then you take back the serve. You have your own minds. You, you receive the product. You're like, okay, I like the way it feels, or I think these pages are a little too thick. This particular print is too shiny or this material is too heavy. Then you give it to your client downstream because now they have it. We passing it down. It's kind of like the little games where you hot potato, you passing it over. <laughs> yeah. So now you ask your client, your client creative, well, how do you feel about this product? This is something unique and new. And I want to want you to be the first, as you know, everyone likes to be the first. Of course. Oh, he gave me this um, at the session and nobody else has it. I have it first. Just like the new PlayStation, we want to be the first ones to have it. <laughs> yep. So Is that for you or your kids, by the way? <laughs> it's really for my sons. I just need two games. That's all. <laughs> okay. Two games and I'll be all right. But you give them that same feedback. So now you have feedback. Your client creative give, has given you feedback and you take it back to your vendor. A lot of times we miss out as photographers on... Everyone wants to become a sponsored by or somebody wants to be a brand ambassador. Hmm. Outside of you always tagging, doing videos, this too can also make you a valuable individual to your vendor. Your vendor appreciates honest feedback. They don't just send surveys to you just to send surveys. But if you don't, don't wait for the surveys, Send it back to them. Say, hey, I purchased this particular product. This is what I received feedback from my client. 
And this is how I feel about it. Is there any way you can either improve this or is there any alternatives to this? And now you you've taken what started out as just a simple stream of going down. Now it's going up. Hmm. So they giving you a product. Now I'm giving you back feedback. Now we have an improved product. Now we're going from a straight line to now we're creating a circle. Interesting. So now we all, we went, even though it's still going to be technical term of upstream downstream, and I'm still the gatekeeper. Now we've taken it and now we're making it full circle. So everyone's benefiting from simple feedback conversation. And at the same time, as a photographer, you're seeing how am I being treated as customer service? How they're responding to me? Is it personal? Is it automation? Now, what am I learning from my vendor that I can incorporate in my business upstream, downstream? Now, how can I take what they were doing and I'm going to downstream it to my client? I want to integrate automation, but also personalization at the same time. Right. So instead of you always having that generalized, oh, well, thank you, client creative for contacting us. We'll be with you shortly. That type of email, you set up the automation to where it automatically fills in their name, hmm. Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so or hello, John. Hello, Andy. However, and it seems a lot more personal, even when you don't have time to be personal. And then you integrating your systems. And so now you have personalization, you still have systems, and now you've integrated upstream, downstream customer service. Wow. I, again, your perspective is, is so unique. I, I don't, I certainly don't think I've ever heard any photographer talk about this before. And I think, and maybe just speaking from personal experience, but I would assume that most photographers too, when, when it comes to interacting with a vendor, it's, there's just this very simple end goal, which is to purchase something and then go focus on me and my business and, and my client, not really thinking about the vendor and the process. And what you're encouraging photographers to do is to kind of look at the, the whole picture or the circle, as you alluded to earlier, of the relationship between yourself, the vendor, how that relates to the relationship with the client, that ultimately all of these can kind of create a circle of mutual benefit. Correct. Because in the end, if you think about it, everybody has what, well, what we do from being, from doing technical support for quite a long time. People, we call it testing or trial testing, or we want to do a sample shoot. Yeah, that's the correct term. <laughs> so, <a sample, laughs> for us, we say sample shoot. Hey, I want to test out this new lighting setup. Okay. Testing, testing, testing. Technically, in the tech world, they call it beta testing. So somebody needs to be a beta tester. Right. Vendors also want testers. So now put yourself, you, now you're saying, hey, I want to be a tester, a beta tester. I want to do that trial shoot type option with you. So I can let you know exactly how I am experiencing or what I'm getting from your product what I think you should improve and don't just wait. That's the thing. That's that fear thing. A lot of people's like, Oh, well, I'll just keep tagging them on post or I'll just acknowledge that company. No, reach out to them. They don't have a contact us 
E button for anything, for nothing. It's not just sitting there for complaints. Send them compliments, send them suggestions, put yourself out there because guess what? The things that you're thinking, some I may be thinking the same thing. Yep. Your fellow colleague is thinking the same thing, but nobody's taking that step to say, can you just let them know I love the custom flash drive, but I think I want to be able to have more options for the cases that they're coming. And if you start doing that, we see the changes in it. Not only yourself benefit your clients, now you're benefiting the community. 100%. And I'm so glad you bring this up because the number of conversations that I've had over the years with photographers being one of the owners of Photographer's Edit, I, the number of times that I've heard photographers say, you know, I, I didn't give feedback because I just feel bad, quote, complaining. And, and the reality is no relationship, no good relationship, personal or business relationship, um, is going to stand the test of time and ultimately improve if there's not a willingness and an openness to communicate uh, or to communication. And that goes both ways, to your point, Kat. I mean, it, it has to, myself as a company owner, I have to set ego aside. I need to keep an open mind. I need to listen. But the feedback from the customer is just gold to me. And and you know the number of changes that we've made over the last 12 years of Photographer's Edit based on customer experience is, is quite vast. And we love that kind of feedback. And it's, and it's funny and kind of sad to me, actually, that, that so many photographers feel bad giving us that kind of constructive criticism, um, when the reality is that, to your point, everybody benefits in the end from that kind of feedback. So I want to encourage all of our listeners to, to be proactive in that sense. Um, don't just simply go buy something from a vendor in the industry and then just you know kind of put your 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 blinders on and not engage any further with that vendor because there's opportunity for everyone to to benefit from that kind of ongoing communication and conversation. This is I mean this is really really powerful stuff, Kat. What does it look like? And maybe you already shared uh, kind of one or two of these ideas in our conversation thus far, but are there specific ways that you've applied? this principle of upstream downstream service and communication to your business? First with the surveys, I always like to follow up with surveys. Sometimes, as you say, they don't respond and you can ask people, well, is it easier to tell me verbally about the experience? And from your surveys, what we're big on as photographers is testimonials. Yeah. Your survey is your testimonial. A lot of people are like, I can't get people to give me testimonials. Give them an opportunity to do a survey. And you can put at the end, will it be okay to publish this information later? Or you can do it anonymously. Those things help us because those, they let you know, maybe I was not thorough enough or mm. maybe I was too hands-on. Because there are, I I am a very personalized individual, and I'm really hands on. I send you custom playlists along with the Pinterest board. So I'm like, give me all the music that you like. Wow, I'm gonna be your DJ. So some some people don't like that, and I I won't know what to scale back on. Sure, unless I read the surveys. Also, make sure that you don't take out personalized experience. Automation and systems work, but a lot of times from working in the call center with customer service, a lot of people used to always, I just want a human being. 
Yeah. Yeah. People, I mean, we love technology. Don't get me wrong. But the self-checkout is, you know, a lot of people's best friends. But then you also have people that say, I, I still want a cashier. I still want to say, thank you for shopping. Hello. How are you? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny to hear you go into that mode with, with that tone of voice. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And, well, people want that. So don't get so caught up in automation and systems yeah. that you don't leave your personality there. That's a leave great point. your brand. Yeah. Your brand is also connected. Even though you have your brand, your business is your business has a personality. It's called a brand. You are a human. You have a personality. It's you. Still put you into their experience with you from the initial meeting to the actual photo experience to the delivery of the product. Don't leave out you. And communication. Just communicate. A lot of times, that's uh, like right now, we are dealing with COVID. We're coming into flu season and things happen. You get sick. Everybody's not taking vitamin C. Right. <laughs> and we're not doing out there a fool like we used to. We'll get yeah. medicine balls. Communicate with your client. Hey, I'm sorry. I do apologize. Your edits are coming out or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm late following up on this. But, hey, communication is key. A lot of people that those were common complaints at the call center with a lot of businesses. They trust your brand. They want to come back. They like your product. All they want to do is get that one simple thing resolved. And they're 99% they will threaten to leave, but they're really not leaving. They just want to vent and they want something simply resolved, which is to be heard. Right. That's interesting. You talk about the significance, the first point of of surveys, which is, you know, an ongoing effort, a proactive effort to get feedback. It's so important. Uh, Personalization, which, you know, when you were talking about the, the idea of personalization, one of the things that came to mind, something I mentioned on the podcast before is, just even using someone's name, the experience of hearing your name called is so unusual these days because because everybody's just kind of engaging with you like another number that even just hearing your name called it means something. You talk about going to the, the checkout counter at like, you know, Walmart or something like that. Um, I'll intentionally, I'll look at the person's name tag and, and use their name in just a brief interaction with them because I know how impactful that can be. And I know how it feels to be on the other side of that. So but personalization in that experience, we can't take that out. But then you, you, you finished up with the third point, which is communication. What I was getting at is all of this really is kind of falls underneath this, this idea of communication. At the end of the day, a good relationship cannot happen. A business cannot be built or improved without communication, proactive communication, ego-less communication, open-minded communication. And I think this is, you know, as, as much as we might hear the significance of communication in one way or another, we really can't repeat the significance of it enough. And, and I, I love how you highlight this through specifically this, this notion of an upstream, downstream relationship with your vendors and your customer service. I, it's such a great perspective, and, and I really can't thank you enough for sharing with us. Oh, thank you so much, because this was... Even with me speaking, it reminds me of different little things that's popping off in my head, like a little popcorn. It's like, hey, you might want to integrate this and 
you need to make sure you take care of that. So it's a self-reminder for me that there are still other things that I need to do as being in a customer service and more things that I need to integrate so that I can make sure that everyone I come in contact with, vendors, uh, client creatives, even just in networking, yeah. this works. Yep. And I need to apply that more often than none because, again, I have to get over that false evidence appearing real and say, it's okay. You can speak up and you can let people know. And everybody wins in the end. I I love that you highlighted that earlier. Everybody wins in the end as a result. The customer, yourself, the vendor, everybody wins. It's a really beautiful reminder. Again, you're such a wonderful, wonderful teacher. I really can't thank you enough for making time for all of our listeners. Will you remind everyone where they can find you or they can follow you, maybe even send you a DM to ask a question or two? Okay, so everything is the same across the board. Make sure you're able to follow me. So the website is Ladiva Creation. So that's L A D I I. So it's double I, V as in Victor, A Creation. This is spelled with a K, not the C. So it's K R E A T I O N S dot com. I'm on Instagram as Ladiva Creations. And every so often, you can check me on Facebook at Ladiva Creations also. <laughs> Perfect. We're going to put all of this in the show notes for those of you listening in at Boca, B O K E H podcast dot com. And uh, make sure that you, that you take advantage of the information there in the show notes if you don't already, listeners. Uh, it, all the talking points from today, the resources that Kat mentioned, we're going to put all that information in the show notes for this episode. So make sure you take advantage of that there. Once again, Kat, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you for inviting me. This was so much fun. <laughs> Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.